Shalom and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm your host, Evan Gottesman, Associate Director of Policy and Communications at Israel Policy Forum. It may sound paradoxical, but ancient history has been in the news lately in Israel. The last few days have seen some sparring on Twitter from the likes of Benjamin Netanyahu and Linda Sarsour over the perennial and always unhelpful question of who is truly entitled to the land. This, of course, came on the heels of Ambassadors David Friedman and Jason Greenblatt and Senator Lindsey Graham's appearance at the opening of a tunnel site, the controversial Ir David project in Jerusalem late last month, which produced the now iconic image of David Friedman hammering away at a mock wall beneath the neighborhood of Silwan. So we have joining us on the podcast, someone who knows this topic very well. We're lucky enough to be joined by Yonatan Mizrahi. Yonatan is a former archaeologist with the Israeli Antiquities Authority, the author of numerous publications on the relationship between politics and archaeology, and the founder and executive director of Emek Shaveh, an Israeli NGO working to stop the politicization of archaeology. Yonatan, thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me, of course. Thanks. Pleasure. So can you tell us a little bit about your work with Emek Shaveh, what you're doing on the ground in Israel? Yeah, Emek Shaveh is an Israeli NGO. It was founded about uh, 10 years ago, uh, officially, but we began even before a group of archaeologists and activists that uh, noticed that archaeology is used uh, as a political tool. I mean, archaeology was always a political tool, but uh, we noticed that what happening, especially in Silwan, City of David, is uh, that the archaeological site is used uh, for the purpose of settlers especially and for uh, strengthening the, the settlement and actually uh, it became a tool in, in, in the, let's say, tool in the political struggle over Jerusalem, the political struggle between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And then we decided as a group of archaeologists to to raise a voice against it first. We began uh, by doing uh, tours in, in City of David, Silwan, talking about archaeology and the role of archaeology in the political conflict. But soon after that, we found ourselves uh, monitoring uh, the archaeological activities that are taking place in the historic basin, because we noticed that for many people, excavation considered as a, uh, maybe a tool to learn about the history or a way to, to enjoy better the, the, the ancient sites. But actually, we, we thought that it is important to, to, um, uh, to show the way archaeology is used as a political tool when excavations are done in order, like I said before, in order to strengthen the settlement, in order to uh, prevent a political solution. Since then, we're also very much involved in, um, in court cases or objections to buildings that are taking place or supposed to take place above archaeological sites, and we're trying to work to preserve Jerusalem as a historic city that open, and its history is open to the different uh, cultures, different uh, faith that feels connected to the city. So you threw out there the problems in Silwan and the City of David project, and this is something around the old city in Jerusalem, and you mentioned that it was being leveraged to strengthen the presence of settlements in Jerusalem at the expense of other residents. Could you elaborate on what you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, um, there's a very important archaeological site located just outside of the wall of the old city, but very close uh, to the walls. And this archaeological site is known as City of David, or uh, the place where Jerusalem began. Although many people call the old city of Jerusalem the old city, Jerusalem actually began uh, at the slopes outside of the old city, under a Palestinian neighborhood which called Silwan, or Palestinian village that called Silwan. 
it's the closest Palestinian uh, community who lives next to the wall of the old city. So they actually live on the archaeological site who knows where Jerusalem began about 4,000 years ago, and there are layers from the, uh, what we are calling the Canaanite period, uh, what's called the Middle Bronze Age, Iron Age, what we know as the Judean period, uh, and also other periods like you can imagine with the history of Jerusalem, Roman, Hellenistic, Byzantine, whatsoever, you know. Um, so they live on, on the archaeological site, which is not unique, by the way. Many Palestinians' neighborhoods and villages sit on ancient sites. But the story of City of David that in the last 15 years, uh, there's a group of uh, settlers organization, uh, which called Elad, and they actually became involved in uh, operating the site, and today they are the operators of the site. And they're coming and using the archaeological site in few different ways to strengthen their hold. First of all, um, they're taking over um, archaeological areas and close them for the touristic uh, purposes. Second, in the tour that people are having in City of David, they are mainly uh, hearing about uh, the Jewish history and the Jewish link to ancient Jerusalem, uh, hardly hearing anything about the 4,000 years of history, which is actually the story, the real story of Jerusalem. Third thing is that these settlers organization are conduct or actually supporting archaeological excavation in order to expand the touristic site. But the, exp the expansion of the touristic site is always on, on, on behalf of the needs or on behalf of the areas or the public spaces that belong to the community. So uh, City of David is today a way that is uh, presented to the public as kind of legitimation for the Israeli settlement in, in Silwan. That's uh, what's happening today. The excavation themselves are definitely a way to expand this kind of settlement. You're talking about Elad as a private organization, but there's also the official Israeli Antiquities Authority. What's the relationship between the government and this private institution, Elad? Yeah, it's a very good comment because actually it's true that Elad is the body who operating City of David, archaeological site, but the responsibility for City of David or for all the national parks in Israel is under the under the Nature and Park Authority. Not the Israeli Nature and Park Authority is a governmental authority and they're responsible to the archaeological or the national parks. The excavations in ancient sites, including City of David, conducted by another authority which called the Israeli Israel Antiquity Authority. It's another governmental authority. These two bodies are the bodies who are responsible to excavate and to protect historic and ancient sites in Israel. But today they're actually cooperating uh, with the agenda of the settlers and actually working hand in hand with them if it's by expanding the excavation, if it's by cooperating, by managing the site together and thinking how to develop the site in order that not uh, in, in a way, in a way that actually affects the life of the residents in Silwan. Um, so actually today it's true that uh, El Ad is the body that everybody knows, but today it's definitely governmental. A policy or government policy today that uh, promoting uh, the changes in Silwan and using archaeology in order to create a change in Silwan. And you used to work for the Antiquities Authority. So from your perspective, was the situation always like this? Was the IAA always working hand in hand with organizations like Elad or is this a development 
of recent years? You know, the roots were there many years ago, and the Antiquity Authority began to work with Elad even when I worked in the, in the Antiquity Authority. When were you working with them? Uh, up to, until 2005. I mean, I worked especially in East Jerusalem between 2003 to 2005, and then I worked a lot in East Jerusalem in that time. Uh, before that, I worked for other... Uh, uh, before that, I worked in other excavation, and not, not with the Antiquity Authority. Um, but... Uh, I mean, many things began between 2003-2005, which is very interesting about the relationship between the Antiquity Authority and the LAD. But I think that after I left, uh, not because I left, obviously, but during the years, we see that um, the Israeli Antiquity Authority is much more collaborating and cooperating with LAD and willing to, um, to follow their request, or maybe we should say their demands, uh, when it's come to excavation. And I think the good example, one good example is the excavation of the street that was uh, in the news last week, because this is an excavation that's taking place under the houses of the Palestinians. It's excavation that done uh, horizontally, although in archaeology we don't excavate horizontally, although there was a criticism even inside the Antiquity Authority uh, against this kind of a method in excavation, especially in Silwan. And we see that the Antiquity Authority um, since 2005, definitely in the last few years, is willing to uh, to adopt the interest of the settlers on behalf of their professionality uh, uh, methods. And, and that's definitely something to be concerned of. Could you talk a little more about this street that was in the headlines recently, The what they're calling the Pilgrimage Road under Silwan? This is where Greenblatt and Friedman and Lindsey Graham were opening the ceremony. Yes, like I said, Silwan is, imagine yourself uh, Silwan as a Palestinian neighborhood, but under the houses, just uh, three, four, five meters under the houses, uh, it's all archaeology, it's all, uh, all kind of layers. In 2004, archaeologists rediscovered a part of an ancient street from the Roman period. By the way, this street was known already in the late 19th century and rediscovered many times, or a few times in the, in the early 20th century. But in 2004, archaeologists of the Antiquity Authority rediscovered part of the ancient street from the Roman period. And since then, uh, the Antiquity Authority, uh, with the sponsorship of El Ad, began to excavate the ancient streets under the houses of the, of the village. Um, and they discovered all kinds of parts uh, with pavement that show that the street was there, obviously. Remains of pavement, you know. And this street, and also a sewage tunnel was discovered. And the street um, is dated probably to the first century. That's what we understand. It's a street uh, that goes from the valley of, uh, what you can call it, the valley of Silwan, the valley of Hinnom Valley, or the valley under Jerusalem, all the way up to the old city. Um, we have many questions about this site and about the... Now, there's one problem. I mean, it's called the Pilgrim's Trail, and it was announced as the Pilgrim's Trail, and the... It's known in the public as this name, but it must be said that um, no, uh, no uh, scientific report or no academic report about the excavation was released so far. So I cannot tell you uh, beyond what was known in the media, but the media is not an academic uh, field for, uh, 
for archaeology. So based on what the archaeologists told in the media, it's a street from the first century that goes from the valley of Silwan all the way up to the old city. Okay, that's what we know, actually. Yeah, I know it's very confusing, but there are many... Uh, the problem is there are more questions than answers regards to this street. Right, so the, so the issue, it seems, is that the the idea... Because if, if it's a street from the first century, it, it's possible, especially given the location that it was used by pilgrims or people going into the, the temple complex. The issue is that it's having a narrative projected onto it outside of the parameters of any kind of serious scholarly investigation. Uh, it's possible exactly like it's possible that if you choose a, a random street in New York and say that probably Donald Trump once walked there, it's possible he walked there. I mean, I don't know. I never documented a exactly when Trump, uh, your president, walked or not. But I assume because he's from New York, so probably he walked in, in some of the streets. A better example I would think of, I, I live in New Jersey, and every small town has a sign that George Washington passed through here. And, and what that means is not necessarily clear. He probably did because they're going back and forth, but the exact meaning is a little nebulous. So it's definitely possible if that's what you mean. I mean, but if we have evidence, this is the Pilgrim's Trail based so far, based on what was released in the media, I'm, I, I'm not sure. We definitely have evidence that the street is from the first century. And I guess that when a final report, final academic report will be published, I guess the community will agree about the dating of the street. But if it was for pilgrims, if it was just a street in the city, if it was a street between the water source to the rest of the city, uh, it's all true. It's all exceptions that I can, we can accept. Pilgrims maybe walk there, definitely. It, it's unclear. Another thing, probably closer to home than, than George Washington in New Jersey, that this reminds me of, though, is that, you know, you talked about the concerns of the homeowners in Silwan, that there's this tunneling going on underneath their houses, it's not conforming to the standards of how a dig should be conducted. You talk about the horizontal versus vertical dig. In Ein Kerem, not far outside of Jerusalem, there was a ancient mikvah discovered during a routine home renovation a couple of years ago, and they didn't tunnel under the home. As I recall, the Antiquities Authority came to the house, they took some photos, they let the media look at it, let people write about it, and then they closed it up and the people went on, you know, business as usual, living in their house. Why don't they just do that here? Because it seems like whether, you know, whether or not, you know, the, it seems like the, the jury is still out on what exactly the purpose of this road is and, and some of the sites, but it's clear that there that there's some ancient history in the City of David site and in, in this road site, so why don't they examine it and then let the residents go on as normal. Yes, I mean, you know, all of Israel, you have many archaeological finds and, and uh, ritual baths and other structures, but it's quite clear that uh, the goal of the excavation in, in, in Silwan is to promote tourism, but also to, to, to bring more people to support the settlement itself. I mean, in a few years' time, everybody will come and see ancient Jerusalem in the eyes that we, the Israelis, would like you to see. That will emphasize the Jewish history. We'll talk about maybe King David, the Judean period, the Judean kingdom, if you want. And then we talk, like you mentioned before, the, the pilgrim road and the path that leads to the temple, to the Jewish temple, obviously. And then the whole idea of the excavation in Silwan is actually um, to bring tourists that will follow very specific agenda. Um, in Enkarim, like you said, it's also an important city, an important neighborhood, and you know uh, many finds are also open to the public. But eventually, it's a it's a place where people live next to a place where people visit in Enkarim. Um, it also have many you know many traditions from Christianity and so on in Karim. Um, but definitely, uh, Silwan is a different story. Archaeology is used in a way 
that people can come and walk in the tunnel exactly like um, the American ambassador did uh, last week and like um, um, Jason Greenblatt. When they walked in the tunnel, this is what we want other people to feel, to feel that you're walking uh, and, and touch or your foot steps, your foot are actually standing on, on the Jewish history. And then it's much more powerful. In this way, you also, it's much easier, easier for you to ignore the present, to ignore that the Palestinians who are living here, there's the whole story of people who are living here uh, for hundreds of years. Um, and then it's like the past and us, and the past is ours. And it's also very important in the struggle over Jerusalem, always to mention that we have historic rights which are more important than the other historic rights. That's what we, the Israelis, many times talking about, that historically we are rooted here, and our roots are more important than other roots, which obviously I disagree, but this is the way that uh, the settlers would like to, to show uh, the people Jerusalem. Speaking of the, this back and forth over who is here first and who is more important, you've talked about the current Jewish residents in the settlement in the Silwan area. Is there ever any concern raised about, there, there was a Yemenite community there, like Yemenite Jewish before the, the 30s um, and the Arab revolt and the, the conflict then. This is a different Jewish community. Is, the, is that ever brought up or, or is it just straight back to the ancient history? Um, the Yemenite Jews actually not live, didn't live, never lived actually in um exactly when the archaeological site is, they live a bit far. I mean, not that much. I mean, it's the same neighborhood, but it's, a, it's in the other side of the valley. Actually, it's even a different neighborhood. It's part of Silwan. Anyway, so, so the Yemenite Jews definitely lived in, in Silwan in the 19th century. And like you said, until the 30s, or until 1929, until the riots of 1929. The settlers from time to time mentioning that Yemenite Jews lived in Silwan in the 19th century, and this is why they try to claim uh, rights or, uh, or to claim back the, the Yemenite rights over the houses. It's also an issue in Silwan. What is interesting about the Yemenite Jews, the Yemenite Jews were put it in Silwan because back then the Jewish community didn't want them among, didn't want them to live with the old uh, communities, you know, the Sephardi Jews or the Ashkenazi Jews. The Yemenite Jews were these Jews who we would like to, we can accept them, but let's put them afar, you know, they're not too close to us, you know. Uh, so they, they, were, they were put in Silwan among the Arabs. And it's very interesting because uh, we found a letter, we found let, at least one letter that the Yemenite Jews complained, saying we came to live in Jerusalem with our Jewish brothers, and we were put living with our uh, Arab, which is which they are maybe good neighbors, but this is not our. Well, that was not our meaning uh, from the beginning. It's also very interesting that these Arabs actually saved the Yemenite Jews in 1929, um, and, and and it shows that also the Yemenite lived in a different way. Like uh, like the settlement, uh, unlike the settlement today, like the Yemenite Jews were part of the neighborhood. You know, they lived together with a, a Palestinian or Arabs who lived in Silwan. It's like it, it's totally different story from all angles. It's just interesting because if they're it, you know they're looking for for a Jewish history in the area, and certainly there's a Jewish history from the ancient times and also other history in the intervening 2000 years, but that they're, that they, they're reaching so far back when there's something that would seem more recent. It's clear that there's a, that there's a lot of agendas at play in, in Silwan and with the City of David project. And then we've talked about a situation in Israel with uh, Ein Kerem. What's the situation in the West Bank? 
Are there different rules for archaeology and conducting a dig or looking at a cultural site in the occupied territory? Or Yeah, I mean, uh, in the West Bank, there are different, different rules for everything because it's uh, under military, everything is under military order. East Jerusalem, city of David, was annexed to Israel after 67, so it's uh, the Israeli law is, is what is relevant to East Jerusalem. And when you go to the West Bank, it's all under the military orders and the civil administration who operating everything there. But what is interesting regards to what's happening in, in the West Bank, that the settlers actually using a very similar methods that the settlers are using and used in the city of David. And they are developing archaeological sites in order to bring people to learn and see the Jewish history. We see that in Shiloh, uh, an ancient site that located north to Ramallah and the settlers are developing it in order to talk about uh, the tabernacle and the, the, the history of the 12 tribes and so on. Uh, we see that in the area of south of, he- south of Jerusalem, what is called Gush Etzion, Herodion and others. We see that the, the, the method of using archaeology to bring tourists and to emphasize Jewish history is also going to the West Bank. I think from the reason that the settlers understand that they need a public support, and if the public support will not be directly in the settlement, at least the support will be by visiting historic sites and talking about Jewish history, and this way to justify Jewish uh, sovereignty, maybe. And so definitely the case of City of David is today expanding to the West Bank. In the West Bank, obviously, the, there's a reason from the Israeli perspective to try and privilege or, or elevate Jewish history at the expense of the other groups, specifically Palestinian history. Do the Palestinians have any kind of response? Does the Palestinian Authority have its own version of this or their own archaeological agenda to try and elevate Palestinian history over other history, or at least to try to uncover what they see as their side of the story? Well, unfortunately, what happened to archaeology, especially in East Jerusalem in the West Bank, uh, I think it's also going a bit to what's happening to archaeology inside Israel, but especially, again, in, in the West Bank in Israel, is that archaeology is so politicized that both sides actually now using archaeology as a political tool. And uh, we see all kind of uh, Palestinians, uh, officials even, with their statement saying that Jews were never lived in, in uh, or there were never Jewish people living in, in Jerusalem, or Jews have no link to the temple, or... Um, um, there are no uh, evidence to all kinds of things. So we see that there's kind of denial that comes also from the Palestinian side about the archaeology, which, like I said, doesn't help archaeology. And unfortunately, both sides are politicizing archaeology in the West Bank in a way that doesn't serve the beauty of of, of the site and also doesn't serve the importance of the site. Right. You brought up the, the statements from different Palestinian leaders, just sort of their own version of the the denialism or or suppression of the other side's history. Um, But do they have any physical control in the areas that are under Palestinian Authority control over their own archaeological sites? Well, actually, they have archaeological sites in area A and area B, what's called, the area that is under their responsibility. And actually, they are operating them quite well. Some of them are even uh, very nice, uh, past renovations, and uh, strongly recommended to visit, you know, like Jericho, Jericho, Sebastia, which looks nice. Also, uh, what's called the Solomon pools, all kind of sites, even, even by the way, ancient synagogues. Some of them are well-preserved uh, and well-kept and actually part of the Bet- Bethlehem, obviously. I mean, Bethlehem, you know, obviously. So uh, the Palestinians actually investing a lot in ancient sites in the West Bank. 
I guess they see it as a touristic tool, but also uh, maybe a way to, to learn about the history or to emphasize the history of the land. In that respect, they're doing very professional work in their site. Like I said, sometimes it goes to all kind of debates that goes beyond the archaeology. And if, if there's one thing that sticks out to you about the way that Israelis are doing uh, archaeology and, and even Palestinians also, what sticks out to you as, as the one thing or, or if there's one thing that you could change first that would make the situation better or be conducted in a more honest academic way well one one thing is is, you know there are so many things and we have to think about one thing but i think that if there's one thing i would like to ask the israelis and the palestinians uh, is at least that the or let's call it the first step is um to be uh, as honest as you can and as loyal to the layers and to the archaeological finds in your presentation of the site um, and also to remember and consider that when you're presenting a site, remember the different narratives, remember the different communities who live ne- next to the site and their linkage to this site. I think that's uh, the first thing I would ask from people from both sides. Obviously, the list is long and I have a few other suggestions what can happen. You have a whole organization about it. It's it's uh, it's obviously a, a good goal to aspire to. Um, my my one other question is: Are there any other models that we can look to where we see these practices going on either in the past or or now, where countries are doing the sort of selective archaeology, looking sort of for what they want to see to tell the story that they want to tell? And are there things that we can learn from those other examples? Um, or do you see this as something that's especially unique to the uh, Israeli-Palestinian situation? There are a few elements which are unique to the Israeli-Palestinian uh, situation, but in every conflict area you see how uh, the government or the different bodies using archaeology as a nationalistic tool, you know. You can see it in Turkey, you can see it in Cyprus, you can see it in other places, obviously, whenever you see conflict, it exists. Uh, Afghanistan, obviously. Uh, India, I mean, you know, whenever there is a conflict, sides using archaeology as a political tool uh, to strengthen nationalism, actually, unfortunately. So in that respect, you can say that Israel and Palestine are in, actually, we are in a good community, uh, you can say. Um, But I want to say that there's also uh, good practices that we can learn from. And even in Israel, when you visit archaeological sites, which are a bit far from the conflict, that if you are by chance, you know, visiting archaeological site inside Israel, um, you can definitely see how the site are, is, is present, how some of the sites are presented in a way that you can see the layers, not necessarily emphasizing the Jewish history, if there's no Jewish history, so it's even been told. So it, it's the proximity to the conflict that sort of engenders some of these bad practices I guess if there's if there if there's something if there's something if it's Jews versus Palestinians then it's sensitive because it's today but if there if it's something you know there's no Romans to offend anymore or uh, any of these other groups so it's a little safer to be more honest whereas maybe people are insecure about being forthright if they think that it would undermine their political claims that are relevant today it's also safer but it's also safer to go to to, to city like Ashkelon I know it's south you know south to Tel Aviv I don't know exactly what people know but you know just a typical city in Jerusalem in, in Israel and when you listen to the guy the guy talks about like you said the Roman period the Muslim period if you want the Canaanite period 
No Jews lived in, in, in Ashkelon, and everybody feel comfortable with that, you know? We're just talking, we're just visiting an archaeological site, enjoying uh, the beauty of the site, if you like archaeology, maybe enjoying the nice or the interesting stories, and, and everybody feel comfortable with that, you know? Right, and, and not justifying the practices in, in Jerusalem or in the West Bank, but would it, would it be because, you know, no, no one but the most extreme Palestinian groups are contesting that Ashkelon is in Israel, but there are people who are, you know, have competing claims to Jerusalem or the question of Israel's control of the occupied territories and whether they annex them or whether it's part of a a Palestinian state. And so it's a way of cementing a claim to something that's seen as up for grabs. Yes, I think I think you're right. Yes, I mean, uh, yeah, part of the yeah. I, I think we also still very safe regards to the city. So Jerusalem is still uh, under pressure. Like both sides are still claiming is Jerusalem. Both sides see is Jerusalem as their capital or the future capital depends which side you are. And a lot of tension happens in Jerusalem. And since there's so much archaeology there, and the archaeology is also uh, very contested, so yeah, that's what happened is that we are facing all the time uh, the pressure uh, the political pressure on archaeology right i mean with no offense meant to i have have friends in in ashkelon but there's not the same emotional resonance to ashkelon you know not just between israelis and palestinians but but worldwide as there is to jerusalem everyone knows jerusalem and, and certainly a greater greater significance there but i just want to say that archaeologists archaeologists are very fond of ashkelon it's a beautiful city but uh, but it's fine with us that the public's See Ashkelon less important than Jerusalem. I can understand. Although I find I find Ashkelon fascinating, but that's definitely a different talk. Well, it definitely uh, given me reason to to go check out Ashkelon and and see see what's there because I, I've done I've done Jerusalem already. I've actually I just uh, came back and. Uh, I saw some of the West Bank sites you were talking about. I was at the Solomon's Pools. Uh, be good, a good time to do something different. So, Yonatan, thank you for, for joining us on the show today. It, it was really enlightening to, to hear about this other side to the conflict that people aren't talking about. Um, but the, the past is present uh, in Israel, certainly, and in the West Bank. And uh, this is something that seems to unfortunately come back into the news a lot. Thank you also. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me to talk and to raise the issue, which obviously we think is very important. Thank you very much for dealing with that. Don't know much about history. Don't know much biology. Don't know much about a science book. Don't know much about the French I took. But I do know that I love Don't know what a sliding 